0: Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we'll be discussing the readings for the second Sunday of Easter, 2010. This is Father Brian Carpenter giving a little bit of a disclaimer here. The content that you're going to hear is actually three years old because Dawn was unable to podcast this week and I have a severe head cold right now and you don't want to listen to my voice for 20 minutes. So we're playing the podcast from a couple years ago. I hope you enjoy it still. Have a good week. God bless.
1: A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Many signs and wonders were done among the people at the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the others dared to join them, but the people esteemed them. Yet more than ever, believers in the Lord, great numbers of men and women were added to them. Thus they even carried the sick out into the streets, and laid them on cots and mats, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on one or another of them. A large number of people from the towns in the vicinity of Jerusalem also gathered, bringing the sick and those disturbed by unclean spirits, and they were all cured. The word of the Lord.
2: Thanks Thanks be be to God. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting.
0: Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting.
2: Let the house of Israel say, His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His mercy endures forever.
0: Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting.
2: I was hard-pressed and was falling, but the Lord helped me. My strength and my courage is the Lord, and He has been my Savior. The joyful shout of victory in the tents of the just.
1: Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love
0: is everlasting.
2: The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done. It is wonderful in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made... Let us be glad and rejoice in it.
0: Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting.
2: A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, your brother, who share with you the distress, the kingdom, and the endurance we have in Jesus, found myself on the island called Patmos, because I proclaimed God's word and gave testimony to Jesus. I was caught up in spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a voice as loud as a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me, and when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, wearing an ankle-length robe with a gold sash around his chest. When I caught sight of him, I fell down at his feet as though dead." He touched me with his right hand and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the one who lives. Once I was dead, but now I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys to death and the netherworld. Write down, therefore, what you have seen, and what is happening, and what will happen afterwards. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading
0: from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails on his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst, and said, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands. And bring your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and who have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that were not written in this book. But these were written, that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and through this belief that you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord.
2: Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ.
0: Welcome to your Sunday Reader. We're in studio here. Today we have Don, Father Mark, and Brian. And I believe Don had some questions about today's readings.
1: Well, I was at a funeral earlier this week, and um, the gospel reading was actually the passage right before the one we heard, where Jesus is talking to Mary Magdalene. He's appeared to her, and Father Maul made the point, or he was talking about, you know, what would it? it, His point was that Jesus did not appear in the temple to talk to everybody or to all the Pharisees and the scribes, and so I've been thinking today about, you know. What would have happened if Jesus appeared in the temple and went, nanana boo boo, I'm here? Or, I don't think he would have used those words, but something to that effect. And what do you think the difference might have been, or what was the importance of only appearing to his disciples at this point? What do you think? I know.
2: <laughs> well, I think that, you know, for Christ, what was very important was the deeply personal relationships that he had with his disciples and with his followers, you know. So uh, the fact that he rose from the dead. And it being what we call the good news, he's certainly going to want to share that with the ones that he loved the most, you know, his closest companions, and certainly would want to share that with the ones that uh, that he's traveled, you know, for three years with and um, ministered with and taught and loved. Um, I could see where that would be. Something very important for him, you know, to appear to Mary Magdalene and then the disciples, especially, you know, when he appears in the upper room now, as we Mm -hmm. hear, uh, they're behind a locked door, you know, so there's nothing that will prohibit him from um, appearing and being with his friends, not even a locked door. Not even death will separate him from his friends.
0: It's also interesting that it's also a matter of belief. And earlier in the scriptures, Jesus says that if you don't believe him, here in the present, when he's you know, before he died and rose from the dead, says you won't believe it all, even if one should die and rise from the dead. And I wonder if the you know, scribes and Pharisees and the people in the temple may have been so caught in their own mindset and their own expectations that even if Christ would have appeared to them, would they have been able to see and recognize him? And it's also important to remember that the disciples didn't recognize him at first. Mm-hmm. And it was through the actions of Jesus that they recognized him, which would also lead to question if they didn't recognize him at first, I can imagine the scribes and Pharisees saying, this is not the same person. You guys are kind of loony.
1: I also got to thinking about different people and, well, what if he had gone to Pilate and Pilate who initially, he was, he was ready to release Jesus. And what would have happened if G if, Pilate had all of a sudden recognized this and it would have changed the whole way that Christianity was spread and would it have been just another rule to follow this God or was it more important that Christianity was spread this way person to person like we hear in the first reading in the Acts of the Apostles with people being cured and so this is just sort of a a discussion that it's just interesting to think about
2: I think God had to do something you know completely different and you know going beyond what we had ever experienced in, um, in our world, you know, so rising from the dead, you know, nothing is beyond the, the capability of God, Mm -hmm. you know, so that even death, not that can not even, uh, separate us from God and, um, cannot be anything that God can overcome. I think, you know, when we think of death too, that, um, we are such physical beings that death is a physical separation from someone else. And sometimes we forget about the spiritual connection that we have. I mean we we've all had some kind of a spiritual experience, you know, maybe it's at mass and we have communion, but but also with each other, you know, that we have that level where we can connect with one another on a spiritual level. I know you've talked about it, especially with teens on retreat, that they just Sometimes there's just that is that that spiritual presence that really connects them, and they all enter into the experience of the retreat, mm-hmm. and we all relate at that level, and then there's no differences between us, and we forget all about what makes us different and what separates us. You know, we come together in that common spirit.
1: Yeah.
0: One of the things that I liked from this scripture, there's a couple things that I like. I, I like Thomas's statement of my Lord and my God, Raymond Brown, who's a big scripture scholar, says that's the most profound statement of faith in Christ. The other disciples, when they recognize him, don't quite make as profound of a statement as my Lord and my God. And Raymond Brown's way of phrasing that is to say, Thomas is saying, oh my God, it's Jesus and he's God. And (laughs) I I do like that it's it's a very profound statement here because it's really... Um, the the first time that you get somebody who's got the whole state, the whole picture right, um, it's Jesus, and he is not only Lord but he is God as well. Thomas um, really,
2: Thomas has made a radical change from someone who didn't believe. You know, I'm not going to believe unless I can, you know, put my fingers into his wounds. From saying that to be able to make that profound statement of faith that says, "My Lord and my God," that's that's quite a jump in faith.
0: Mm-hmm. Another one of the things that I think is important in this is the line where he says, peace be with you. And we hear this so often, it's, it's right in our own liturgy every week. But the profoundness of that, I think, is sometimes missed. Because we don't, you have to remember the context in this. Three days ago, these guys had just denied, they just sold him out. And they denied him. And now you see him coming back. In a sense, you could say it's like seeing the ghost of somebody who you just killed and rather than seeing the ghost come back for revenge or something you have jesus and he's not a ghost i don't want to miss that but i mean he's risen from the dead but he's coming back and he's not coming back with a vengeance but he's coming back and the first thing he says is peace and offers that forgiveness and it it, again it plays into our liturgy where the priest says peace be with you and if for those of you who aren't aware but Part of the theology is that our liturgy, we have a penitential rite where we're forgiven for our sins, and then that peacefulness, so we've come, and we come as sinners, and we hear that as words, peace be with you, and that can be real profound, that you're forgiven for the, of these sins, and I don't hold your past against you, but I'm here to be with you as a friend, as a companion, and of course as your God.
2: I think Jesus comes also when he says that to bring them peace, because here they are locked up in an upper room, probably frightened and not knowing what to think and trying to 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 understand what has happened. And here he comes appearing in their midst. And you're right; the first thing he says is, "Peace be with you," because he wants to assure them that yes, things are turbulent and a lot has happened, and you don't understand it yet. But even in the midst of all that. I bring you peace.
1: And he says it again, just a paragraph later, peace be with you. You know, I'm sure they were terrified out of their minds. I mean, not only were they unsure what was going on with Jesus, but it says they were afraid of the Jews. They were locked because because they were afraid what would happen to them. And I think that applies to our lives a lot too because, well, me at least, I don't know if you guys ever get afraid, but sometimes my fears paralyze me. They're totally irrational fears, or maybe rational, but... Um, it's totally paralyzing and I can't do a thing about it and so that peace be with you comes again and says you know it's all right. I'm okay I'm with you
2: sometimes we need a reminder of that, that spiritual nature that we have that even in the midst of life and it's ups and downs and it's turbulence that we still have and we will always have the peace of Christ in our midst you know And how do we somehow bring ourselves back to that so that we can move on through life? You know, that the disciples can step out of that upper room and enter back into life with the assurance that no matter where they go, Christ is always going to be with them in a new and wonderful way.
0: One final thing that I wanted to mention, too, a question that's often asked, especially by Catholics, is regards the question of penance and why do we confess our sins to a priest? And I think it's interesting that right here in this scripture that we have whose sins you are you forgive are forgiven and whose sins you retain are retained and that's really the origin of the sacrament of penance as it comes right in that line right there where we say as a church that authority has been passed on and the priest can act what we say is in persona christi or in the person of christ and forgive sins and it's on the not only on behalf of the church but in accordance with what Jesus himself commanded. But I also think it's important that to understand that this, the, the power that the church has definitely to forgive sins is there in a sacramental sense. But also, I think we can apply this to our own lives, whose sins we forgive in our own lives, those who have sinned against us. And it comes up again in the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Um, But I think that's an important element here is that forgiveness of sins. And again, it kind of goes back to, as I said, when Christ is coming in and these guys who had just betrayed him a couple days ago are kind of unnerved, I'm sure, by seeing him again. Not only that, but he offers them forgiveness, but in the hopes that that they will continue to go on and offer forgiveness to other people. And he gives them the authority with which to do that as well.
2: I think that... um... Well, we just read the Gospel reading from John's Gospel and earlier in John's Gospel, I believe it's in chapter 13, when Jesus prays to the Father, you know, I pray that as you and I are one, they may also be one. And so Jesus came to unite all of us together. And what's the one thing that separates us and separates us from God is sin. And so in this message of peace, Christ also brings the message of reconciliation that if we are to be one, Then we have to go through a process of reconciliation and forgiveness in order to be one, like Christ and and God are one.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a very profound image. And we, of course, hope that you are one in listening to us on this podcast. And we hope that you will join us again next week on your Sunday reader. Have a good week. God bless.